The Wedding DJs Podcast, show number four, time, pace, and flow. And welcome back to the Wedding DJs podcast. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the time and the pace and how the wedding flows and give you some ideas and hopefully some advice on designing a wedding that doesn't have too many slow points or low points, just enough dancing to keep everybody happy and maybe help you out with a little bit of structure when it comes to the order of the events that make up your ceremony, reception, uh, time allocated for dinner, and of course, how much time is left over for dancing. A lot of these timeline tasks are put on to your vendors. I think the first one that would step up to the plate and have something to say about when things get done would be the banquet a hall or the venue itself. They do because they, yeah, they have to base everything on that event around the food, and they really, really like most, most, most event places like to run a tight ship. And if, if you know, a lot of we work at one place in particular that will do two in a day, two weddings in a day, and they'll they'll do a luncheon with an eleven o'clock start, and then they'll do a dinner with a five o'clock start. And they've got a full functioning restaurant there to boot. So right. They need to have the right amount of staff on hand and allocated to each event that's happening in the facility. So uh, their timeline will come to you first. And I've seen coordinators just pop up. I'm, uh, it was the best friend of the bride who <laughs> had coordinating skills, and she was told that we were to be in charge, you and I, but she showed up with her timeline as well. So I had the two- venue timeline. You had the bossy sister timeline uh-huh. and our and, timeline. And then our timeline that we, but I did. thought the bride made one too. Yes, she did. So there were four <laughs> timelines the night of the rehearsal. And that was a difficult thing to handle. But everything seemed to tie around that when the meal's going to go, everybody wanted to make sure, that, you know, the meal. So it's almost kind of like that's your, if you start from that, it, which usually kind of lands in the middle, you can work your way back to the beginning of the ceremony and work your way forward to the end of the evening. Plus, you keep the largest staff uh, happy. And, and that's, that's always a good goal. You want to keep your, your biggest vendor, your venue, your catering staff, you want to keep them happy. Right. So once you've established when your dinner is, then you can go back to the beginning. And uh, you take that back. Let's see. You have half an hour for the ceremony and an hour for the pictures on average. So that's an hour and a half from the grand entrance, which should be about 15 minutes before dinner. Right. And why do you want the grand entrance roughly 15 minutes before dinner? Well, I find the flow works better when you introduce the bridal party and then ultimately ending up with your bride and groom. And now they have got are the center of attention, and it's the perfect time to do the first dance. Right. Capture all the eyes on them. Everyone's already found their seat. They're usually sitting in an area around the dance floor, and it's a perfect opportunity 
plus you also alleviate some of those stray flash problems. And, and I know in our future show, we're going to be talking to some photographers about um, guests and, and taking pictures and why it's such a great idea to disappear after the ceremony for an hour to get those family pictures, to get those great pictures without the stray flashes. Or not. Or not, depending if you because do it Because the reveal is getting to be such a great thing. And I get excited about it every time a bride says she's going to do this. And, that's and you get excited thing. because now the bride and groom hang out at the cocktail hour. That's, that's the goal. Is exactly. They spent all this money. Why not enjoy the time with their family and friends? Right. And, and it's not this awkward moment that everyone was brought together for this wedding and the bride and groom aren't even there to, quote unquote, host it. They're, they're out taking pictures. And, and then when the bridal party, they, they, they find their way to the bar and they start drinking and having a good time and, and nobody knows where the bride and groom are. So, yeah, this is really popular now. They're giving an opportunity for the groom to see the, uh, his bride for the first time in private and you really get some genuine expressions and looks. And I know the photo- a lot of photographers under the age of are probably really enjoying uh, the reveal now. I think uh, older photographers, they still like tradition, and uh, you might have a hard time getting them to roll with that one. But it is a, uh, it's a real special thing. It's really romantic because they, your photographer will probably choose a secluded garden setting, and she'll have the groom standing with his back towards the entry, and then you come in, and she either tells him to turn around or you go up, and uh, I'm assuming I'm speaking to the bride, and you go up to your groom, and uh, or actually it could be anybody. It could be your bride or your bride or your groom or your groom. Anyway, we uh, would have you standing there, and your your other half would come up and tap you on the shoulder, and you'd turn around, and those expressions are not the same expressions that you would see while standing up at the altar so this private time is really quite nice i've seen um reveal shots where the groom has been crying and it's it's absolutely adorable i've seen brides exploding with expressions saying ta-da here i am and it's really quite fun and shows your personalities nicely and then after that that reveal portion you can take advantage of the time prior to the ceremony as your guests are arriving in getting those intimate private shots with with you, with you and your betrothed and then going back to your secret quarters getting everybody staged and lined up and then essentially bringing you all down into the order and then proceeding with the wedding it's a really nice section then while you're left with after the ceremony are the family shots and those can usually go within 20 minutes or so in general. At least that's what we found, 15, 20 minutes, and, and they're, they're wrapping it up real quick. It actually works better because a lot of the family does not want to leave during your private photos. And no. then again, you've got an audience, and it's really hard to feel like you've got that intimate moment with 50 of your closest friends and family <laughs> watching you give her a kiss and a dip. You know, it's just not comfortable. One of the other, I think one of the other reasons, and I know we, we're kind of veering off track here on talking about the reveal, but a lot of brides and grooms don't take into consideration that going through your vows, especially if you wrote them yourself, are an extremely emotional time. And there's just nothing better than you've, 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 you've cried a little, your makeup is run, and you've got an hour of photos. 
Well, if you took most of those photos before the ceremony, now the photos you're taking after you've gotten emotional and possibly you've made you know, a slight little makeup change, you take the pictures with the family, they're not as crucial that you know, you're going to want the, the, perfect, the perfect face and makeup. And the other cool thing is, is if you did have some emotions during the reveal, you've got time to go back to your room, get ready before the ceremony. You know, something I'd like to do is uh, kind of run through a sample timeline. Uh, maybe like a luncheon timeline and a dinner timeline. Does that uh, kind of make some sense? So let's say uh, one of the, the biggest things we run into is uh, how long should a wedding be? And my answer is always this. With the ceremony and the reception, if they're in the same building, neighborhood, area, you don't have to drive in between them, no more than six hours. Probably no less than five for the entire thing. If you're booking somebody just for a reception, your reception should not run longer than four hours, um, four to five hours for the reception. And the reason why is there's only so much time you can capture somebody's attention. And the dancing at the end of the night is the one thing when if not everybody is at the wedding to dance, that's the point that they're going to leave. So you want to make sure that you leave plenty of time to get the events done without rushing them. And you want to make sure that you've got... um, uh, yet at the same time, you don't want it to drag on because there's nothing worse than marathon microphone toasts when they open up the floor and the microphone to everybody and nobody's had a chance to eat. There's, you, know, there, you really have to think about some structure when you put these things together. And uh, we've always recommended to brides, don't, don't do an open mic. And if people want to say something to you, they will come up to you sometime in the evening and say it. So let's start out. Uh, let's do a basic luncheon. Uh, we've got a 11 o'clock start. Um, Saturday, Sunday, you want to do, do the evening? Actually, I was trying to take it from the start of the day and talk about what flows. Oh, I'm only talking about the event. And Go now ahead. you're oh. jumping all over the place with no, all sorts of... I was going to start. <laughs> okay. So um, in talking about keeping everybody entertained, this photo session that I'm taking you back to is also expedited, uh, allowing for a great flow for your guests. They have the opportunity to mingle with you, which also will eventually cut down on the table visitation time and just keeps a really interactive event happening. And moving from that and the makeup retouches the change of the shoes the bustling of the dress those events can actually happen prior to the grand entrance without a feel of haste in getting to this room that of people that you've been ignoring for an for an hour i mean they are really you know (laughs) sometimes they've had a lot of time to sit and socialize the night before and have run out of things to talk about so they're twiddling their thumbs, they're entertaining their own children, the kids are t- complaining because they're hungry, because most of these weddings happen um, prior to the dinner hour, and with all of these activities that need to happen before the food's actually brought out, can get the little ones a little restless. Little ones and weddings don't mix very well. And that's, you know what, I love kids, I absolutely do. But if your goal is to have an adult-style party with an open bar and dancing activities, kids are going to be bored out of their mind. So plan for that. If you're going to have kids, especially if you've got flower girls or ring bearers and you've got, or, or cousins, and plan activities. Have something in mind. If you're at a hotel, uh, hire yourself a, uh, someone to, to handle some daycare to keep them in activities you know, after the ceremony. 
because activity baskets are fabulous. Yeah, uh, I did a wedding at a country club. It was great. They showed up. They had uh, eight kids, eight activity baskets, and the kids just kind of disappeared, and and were all comparing coloring books, and they were com- just having a great time, hanging out with each other, and not feeling bored. And and even though I, and everything was running late that day, I remember that uh, the food was running late, and, and uh, you know the kids were entertained. It was great. It worked out great. It was such a a good idea. So have something for the kids to do at the wedding because otherwise they're going to find something to do and it's going to be something you don't want them to do. But No, and they tend to get underfoot when the staff is bringing out the meal, the entree. You know, they've had their salad or they've finished their chicken fingers and fries and they don't have enough patience to stay, stay in their chairs while the rest of the adults finish their meal. So they're bouncing around the floor. Mom's trying to capture them. The the wait staff is trying to clear tables. Requesting Justin Bieber from the DJ. Yes. <laughs> Many things <laughs> happen around the children. And not to say it's a bad thing. It, it's just something you want to consider when you are looking at the pace and flow of, of and putting your day together. Uh, okay. And then one of the other things I know you wanted to talk on is with the activities that go on through the evening, having the reveal uh, and some of the photos before the wedding is don't get caught in the trap of cutting off your photographer too soon. Keep some things in mind. Most people don't care if they've got a lot of pictures of dancing. And so they bring in the photographer three or four hours, possibly before the event starts, and then they take them out maybe two hours in the reception. And immediately following the grand entrance, first dance, you go into dinner, you're an hour and a half into the reception, the photographer is eating, and then they're waiting for the other events to happen, and then they come up to the DJ, and they hold their watch and say, you know, I'm out of here in a half an hour. We need to get the father-daughter dance done, the mother-son dance, the money dance, uh, any of the group things, we got to get the bouquet, the garter toss, and now your wedding just turned into a checklist. The last thing you want to do is, is, is... Run it too slow, run it too fast. Keep that in mind when you're thinking about the time that you've got your, your uh, photographer contracted for. You really want to make sure that, that you've got plenty of time for all the events. And that magic number is if you've got a five-hour reception, keep them for three hours into the reception. Three and a half to be safe, you'll be good to go. Uh, because the, the last hour, hour and a half is going to be open dancing. And unless you really, really want to put the garter and bouquet off later in the evening, which, which we've found that some do that, if you don't really care, if you get professional pictures of that, that's, uh, you know, you can always get uh, guests will have cameras. Everyone's going to have cameras. The moment will be captured. But if you want it captured, the professional moments captured uh, by a professional photographer, you definitely want to make sure you give them enough time worth of the reception to get those photos of the reception without turning that reception into a checklist. And that, there's nothing worse than just go to the next event. Okay, you know, that was a great dance. Let's give them a big hand. And now if we could have them, now if we could have everyone else out, now if we could do this. And man, I've, I've had to do that a few times, and, it, and it's so tough on your MC and your DJ to, um, to I mean, they can do it, and, 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 and they do it with a smile, but it's, it just, it's kind of an injustice to your guests. They, they are enjoying themselves, and you're, you're sort of push, push, pushing in them, and then you, then you hit the brakes, and the evening's opened up for after the photographer's gone. When, when events get squished together like that, it's hard to be delicate and, and flow in and out gracefully because you can't build with music and, and have your padding to create the atmosphere in the room that you want to be there once you get to that spot. So keep that in mind. Another thing about 
stressing vendors out <laughs> would be uh, when to consider their break. Because remember, they're working for six hours at the least, nonstop. You, uh, when you break for dinner is probably their only time to break as well. And if there's any way to get their meals to them, at least in the first half of your dinner, then they can be there for when you get started up on your events again. So please keep that in mind. Uh, a yeah, lot. There's nothing worse than everybody just finishing up and, and ready to have something happen and the plate is set right down in front of your photographer and DJ. Now people are stretching their legs and it's just 20, you just killed 20 minutes or, the, or they're not going to eat or they just won't eat because they, they just don't have time to, to eat anything. And, it, and it's especially if you're paying per head and you are paying for meals for your vendors, something to keep in mind, you know, that, that um, it depends. Every venue is different. Uh, we've got some venues that they run out of the way to make sure that the, uh, the vendors get fed early. But, you know, if you have any say in it, uh, it's a good thing because that way when you're finished eating, they're finished eating. Cameras are locked and loaded, DJs are on the fly, and the MCs are ready to, to take the party to the next level. They don't have to walk your buffet line. It, it, it can all be done discreetly. You don't have to make them a table. They can go eat in the lobby. We don't have any problem with that. No, no Or of not. if we have to be asked yeah, to go another room. vendors sit down with you unless they're family, that's really weird. <laughs> that's wrong. That's a bad and flow. <laughs> we've heard of that. We've heard of photographers doing that, DJs doing that. Uh, it's just, it's just awkward. They, they help themselves to a plate and they sit down with the guests and On that one wow. minister from, I'm not going to say <laughs> from that other city, <clears throat> <laughs> but, uh, anyway, uh, ta- while we're here on dinner, I want to talk about what is, what makes for a good dinner session of the evening. You've got, uh, your buffet, which can be done a a variety of styles the one i find works best is a double-sided buffet so you have a line of people that can go down both sides or you can have mirrored buffets so you have two long tables and the line can either split but uh two two people are able to fill their plate at the same time when you have someone on staff serving um basically doing portion control, that slows the line down considerably. Considerably. You've got to figure 20 to 30 seconds per person. So if you say 30, go on the high end, you've got 100 people that need to get through a buffet. That's 30 minutes. That's, I mean, it's 50 minutes. That's actually 30. It's going to take that long to get them through a buffet. And that number just gets higher the more your catering staff or the hotel staff gets in the way of the portions and the food. In a buffet. In a buffet. Definitely in a buffet. But if it's dinner service, that's one of the quickest ways I've ever seen food come in and I've go. seen 300 people get served so much faster uh, in one large banquet hall than 200 people trying to make their way through a buffet. 100 people making their way through a buffet that's been hand-served, certainly. But they've got the facility to do that. In some cases, some of the venues you work, they don't have the ability. And you've got an outside caterer. And they can't stage 250 salads. They have to make it a buffet in order to make that work. So uh, talking to them about that double-sided buffet and, you know, uh, if they're worried about portion control, then, you know, negotiate that in the price. Just say, look, I want my people to be able to serve themselves and get through the line. I've got 300 guests, and I don't want to wait an hour and a half to get everyone through the buffet. That's not right. We had the taco lady. Taco lady. 
She had a very small setup, and it was quite difficult for everyone to get in and out. The direction that you want to have them walk um, through the buffet is also something to consider. And when you're working with a venue that's done a lot of weddings, talk with them. I mean, they know, they do know what works, but it's just, you know, from a DJ and a coordinator point of view, we just start to cringe and makes our skin crawl when when you see a one-sided buffet with 200 people and 35 minutes pass since the first person went through the buffet. And it's just, it's painstaking. It's so tough because you want to get moving and half your guests, and especially if you've got your DJ dismissing the tables, which, by the way, is a really bad idea. But that does not go for a good flow. No, that's a bad flow. You will always have a table of disgruntled that want to crash the line and do so. Oh, you will always have line crashers, and the DJ will not have the control, and unless you want to... It, it turns into takeout. And it's, they're about 50 years old. <laughs> yeah, it's like restaurant takeout, and and, and you're, you got the DJ saying, okay, table 14, and table 8, if you'd like to go to the buffet now. We, it really gets annoying, especially if you've got 14, 15 tables, 20 tables in this room. It's ridiculous. We've tried to make it fun. We have. We've tried to play songs and name the movie it's from and dismiss the table. And then... I mean, they work. I don't. I don't like all the games. I like just quietly letting the tables know, uh, and you use your. But there's still so much guilt. You are getting eyes just throwing darts at you from across the room. Like, come over to my table. Hello, I'm hungry now. Yeah. But you have to use your own judgment and discretion. You've got your priorities. You've got the immediate family of the bride and groom and the bridal party, and then you look for elderly and children and get them fed, and then you. Hope everybody else has patience for you to make it to their corner of the room. And wow, if you go to the corner of the room and surprise that table and let them go next, then everybody else is mad at you. So if it has to be a dismissal, I honestly think playing games is probably the best way out of that because everyone is accountable to everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) You won't have line crashers because... They're not going to let you get away with it unless you got the right answer. Plus, it gives you the opportunity, and I'll agree with you on this. I was going to disagree with you, but I'll agree with you on this because I do enjoy when the bride and groom get to select 15, 20 songs from their favorite movies or favorite artists, and they they give the DJ an opportunity to play that song. And here's the funny thing. is a table of eight or ten. takes about three to three and a half minutes to get through that buffet. So it's almost perfect to have one song, and then, and then if, the, if, if the buffet line gets short, the DJ can very easily fade it out, bring the next song up, get the next right answer. Uh, the, only, the only issue you run into is, I had my hand up, I was up first, and, and uh, you got to keep those types of things in consideration. But every, every wedding just has to be the way it is. So, and that's yeah. best to have two people on staff for that. So it would be the DJ and MC, or DJ and assistant, or DJ and coordinator. Right. Working together to get the people through that line as quick as possible. But hopefully you're right. In a fun way that's not uh, making people upset that they didn't get selected first. Uh, if you do have anything to say about the table dismissing, I always suggest let the old people and the kids eat. Don't make them wait. Uh, your friends are the ones who can wait wait the most. <laughs> They're going to be there the longest. They will. They'll be there all night. Exactly. They, they, they probably, but, you know, they've probably got a few drinks in them, too. 
Right, but they can tolerate blood sugar swings, I think, more so than, <laughs> more so than grandma <laughs> or the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then after that, you go on to uh, table visitation towards the end of dinner because if, you've if just you're completed do table your visitation, mail. visitation, right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's commonly what people do unless they've had a lot of social time prior to. But if you're doing the traditional wedding where you've got the photographs that happen after the ceremony and then you're away from the, for an hour, those people are going to want to touch you and say right. hi to you and be, because you don't see very many receiving lines these days. Right. Something to keep in mind or, or maybe consider is it's a great way to get to know and talk to people. Yeah, receiving lines are horrible. They take forever. Sorry. Um, no, what you ultimately want to do is if you are going to do table visitations, consider having them come visit you at your table. Have the staff know ahead of time to clear the table so every single picture your photographer takes of you and your new family doesn't have food in the pictures. Well, their food. Their food, Or, or yeah. everyone's crowded around. You're bending down. It's not the most flattering position to be in. Not only that, but your table is much prettier than theirs. Yes. And you have... <laughs> if it's an option. I mean, obviously, it can't be the perfect option, but these are just things to keep in mind. You know, I got a great picture of me and, and my Aunt Edna and Uncle Fred, and, and we're crouched down behind them, and, and he's got food spilled on his tie, and he's got the plate in front of him, and it's a dirty tablecloth. It's just it's everything you don't want in a wedding picture. Really, I, It's just... Granted, this is our opinions. We're not photographers, but... I know what they deal with. <laughs> I left you. I'm sorry about that. You totally took. Oh, the, the thing that I remember doing most of all when when a bride and groom get up from their table, I have to remind them. By the way, I have to go back because I have to remind you: if you don't eat during dinner, you're not going to eat at all. So you better finish all your food. Okay, moving on. If you do get up from your table, brides and grooms. Please stay together. There are so many times when the bride goes to say hi to people she knows, when this is a time also for introduction. And if you don't have your spouse there, there's no one to introduce you properly. And now the pictures have just you and Aunt Jane. And, 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 and your table visitations are now the thing that are running long. And again, your photographer's about to leave and we can't get to the activities. Exactly. You, get, you, need, to, you need to speed that that process of that's 45 minutes right easy, there easy with 100 to 150 people which is i guess the average so that's another days. chunk of time look think of all your other guests how are they being entertained how are they being involved how are they talking to you um the other 40 minutes after you visited them i mean now they're twiddling their thumbs again so again that reveal i'm going to go back to because i love this ever since we Tradition started to be broken. Get the reveal done. You get your pictures done. You can spend time and mingle during cocktail hour. You don't have to be so obsessed with saying hi to everybody during the table visitation. And you can get into your activities. You might even get to the cake much sooner. Uh, because I find that the cake usually doesn't happen till about an hour and a half after dinner is served. But you can... Actually, step that up if you are looking to economize and, and shorten your wedding a little bit. That's a just, it, there's some wisdom in that. That's all I'm going to say. Right. There, it definitely works very, very well. And, and as we've mentioned in earlier shows, that the cake is the unofficial invitation to leave. 
you usually want to stack that right around your last activity before the dance floor opens for the evening because now you've got all the people that might hang out to have one or two slow dances, especially if they're not dancers, uh, or, or go. So uh, especially if you're planning something like a money dance, either right before the cake or at the exact moment the cake is cut. Because once that cake is cut and people have eaten their cake and they start to leave, if you haven't done your money dance, you've just lost money, a lot of money. Because the cake is the unofficial <laughs> invitation to leave. Right. That's what I said. Well, I think <laughs> it bared repeating. It does bear repeating. So when you are planning your six-hour wedding, putting that cake around the four-and-a-half-hour mark seems to be a good time, especially if the meal started around the three-hour mark. It just it's, it, it, it gives a good flow, time to eat, get through the buffet, a little bit of time to socialize if you need it. You can then start some of the other activities, uh, the family dances, the uh, the bride and her father, the mother and son. You can do special dances. Uh, anniversary dance is great to get out at that point. Um, Tell them what the anniversary dance is. When you get all of the married couples at the event to come on the dance floor, and then your DJ will play a song and slowly ask uh, people to step aside off the floor uh, determined by how many years they've been married. And ultimately, you end up with the couple or couples who have been married the longest. And then the DJ or MC would give them the microphone to give the bride and groom, the newlyweds, their best piece of advice for staying together for a long time. And it's uh, it's always a good goosebump moment. And it's a lot of fun to just kind of stand back for one song and, and see five couples or six couples on a dance floor totaling more than 150 years of marriage. It's really kind of wild. It's awe-inspiring. It really is. And so there's that. Uh, nobody really does bridal party dances anymore. That's really an old passe thing. They, they were doing that kind of in the 80s and 90s. Uncomfortable. Absolutely. Uncomfortable dance. <laughs> <laughs> unless your bridal party's all married. Grooms really don't tend to dance unless their bros are all around and it's fun and wild and crazy. It's going to be all the girls and that's okay. Uh, for the most part. You're saying that if there was a... Well, yeah, we don't typically do the bridal party dances anymore. Uh, any icebreakers you'd probably do at this time? If there was any games that you would like to play, you should, uh, you know, kind of get those before the cake. Again, this we're kind of we're building up after dinner to the cake here and leaving a nice cushion of time, a good 30, 35, 40 minutes. Your photographer's not in any rush and everything's building right up to that point. You mentioned the toasts earlier, and this is also a time you can interject them. You can do so after the first dance coming in. And toasts are interchangeable, and feel free to put them where you'd like them to be placed. Um, speaking of being placed, I like to have the person giving the toast being somewhat close to the bride and groom so they can all be captured in the same photograph. A lot of things to consider if you are booking a DJ or band is have a wireless mic brought on a stand up next to the bride and groom where they're sitting. That way, whoever's making the toast has to physically get up and walk up to them. But the other thing is that they have um, two hands free. They no longer have to hold a mic because nobody knows how to hold a microphone at a wedding. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the day, the the alcohol, but most people would just as soon put the microphone in their pocket and talk because they don't, they don't know what to do with it. They just don't. I mean, and, and that's fine. They hold fine. it and at their belly button. We and... try to give them advice and say, you know, you, you got you to gotta eat the microphone. But uh, 
I don't know if they're just shy, they feel awkward, and that's probably all it is. It's just not natural. Uh, but if you have it on a mic stand, then they can hold their speech in one hand and their, their drink or champagne in the other hand. So it works great. And, and they've got the ability to raise their glass to the bride and groom. And then it also gives you the ability to break up some toasts. You can have uh, maybe a thank you or welcome toast or speech uh, you know, right before dinner or during the salad course. And then after people have finished, then bring in your uh, maid or matron of honor, your best man. And then maybe your father could be the last one to make a toast. And at that, it makes the perfect opportunity to invite the bride to the dance floor to join her for the father-daughter dance. And, it, and it, it's so cool. And, and everyone thinks it was all planned ahead, which it is, but it's not that big of a deal. It just works really well. And if the DJ's uh, in tune to what's going on, they can make things like that happen. And that's, that's magical to, to really, really makes people just kind of get those goosebumps and oh and that little <laughs> magic something that says this is the best wedding i've ever been to because all weddings get compared and if you look at them side by side they're all pretty much the same but if you're looking to pull something different out of the hat then that's that's a nice one to get is the events are the same but the weddings are different i right. mean the styles of music the people the attitudes the environment the ambiance the the food, the way everything goes. I mean, every DJ from, you know, you're going to end up with uh, DJs that, have, that are going to play Chardet and Sleepy Jazz to DJs like us that are going to play uppity, uh, current, happy, fresh, bouncy. happy, bouncy music. And, and so, yeah, every, uh, everyone's different and, and every style is different. That's why there's no, there's no perfect formula for every single wedding. And, and uh, Well, there is. It's called the Top 200. <laughs> that's not a perfect formula. Not everybody wants to hear... Uh, Aretha uh, Franklin. Well, a lot of DJs out there think that it is. Okay. We don't. <laughs> We've got a signature. I, I I have the top 200, probably 30% of the songs listed under the, the Migrate file called Cheesy Wedding Songs. As we conclude the cake, I think it's important to mention that although your picture was just taken of cutting and feeding your spouse or getting it smashed and pressed up your inside your nose. <laughs> but there will be a pause that you will need to fill as the staff continues to cut and portion out the cake, plate it, and then distribute it or put it out for availability. It takes, yeah, it takes a few minutes. If you've got a catering staff or a, or a ballroom staff, it takes anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes to get everybody a slice of cake. 10 minutes, roughly 10 minutes. Yeah, because they've waited all day for this cake and they're going to taste it before they leave. Right. So you might get it out there or keep them from breathing down the caterer's necks and have an activity right there after Money the cake Money dance cutting. or bouquet garter or just, yeah, do, do an activity at that point that keeps your guests engaged and interactive. And then when they turn around, there's a cake on their table. How cool is that? Yeah, then I can go home. Unless they're going to dance. <laughs> Unless they're going to dance. And the dancing portion is, I like to see at least an hour. At, yeah, a good hour. Because, you know, you got to think about it. You're only getting 20 songs an hour, roughly. Maybe maybe a little more, maybe a little less. But, you know, and you really, really want to get a good mix to make sure that you and your, your, your new spouse are going to get the songs played when you're there. So you can enjoy them and dance to them. 
there's a, there's really a, an hour is you really want at least a full hour. You want to break it up, have a couple slow songs in there. Cause there's just some people like myself that just don't dance unless it's a slow song. <laughs> I don't dance. That's why I DJ. <laughs> and, uh, it looks funny to bounce on a dance floor. Well, you bounce a lot. You bounce two and a half miles every wedding you do. In yeah, in in an average wedding. So your DJ might not look like he's doing much, but he's bouncing. <laughs> he's exerting quite a bit of energy back there, and maintaining the pace of the floor and getting in and out of different genres to appease all your guests. That's a kind of a difficult task and has a flow and a magic all its own. If you it does. if you want your wedding to shine, your DJ is also going to shine at this later hour. This is where his skill set really comes out. Yes, he can coordinate an event and, and have some pixie dust he can toss here and there, but he got into DJing because of his love for music. And now dance he's... Dance music. And, and a full dance floor. An artist. That's that's our personal accolades. That we, that's what we look for. If we see smiling faces and the, the uh, in-between song, woo! <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> we're having a good time. And that's that's why we're in this business is that's what's a lot of fun is that that portion of it is, is you know, and, and letting our craft loose. And that adds to the magic and flow of your event. And you're saying, so at least an hour on that... And uh, so, yeah, five to six hours, anything less than five with the ceremony, that, that's really, really pushing it tight. Uh, and anything over six, you're just asking for issues, especially if it's going late. There's nothing wrong with ending a wedding at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. You don't have to go to midnight. You don't have to go to one. Uh, that's when... Most all the weddings we see take off, they end, they go to the bar. They, if, yeah, the ones that are going to hang out and, and really, and that's what they really want to do is socialize and catch up and have a few drinks together. They're not like, they're not looking to just dance, dance, dance. Now they might be. And if that's the case, plan your reception uh, accordingly. Do a four hour reception and a couple hour after party and get a full DJ or band or someone to actually run an after party in a different room. No, it's not uh, cheap, but it's definitely a great way to break up the wedding. Um, because it is such an informal event all day long. Now it's time to just let our hair down. Especially if, yeah, if you give everybody a good, you know, half hour, 45 minutes in between to possibly go back to their rooms and change and put on more comfortable clothes and, and then go to the other room of the hotel and just have a private, uh, dance party with cool up lighting and fun glowing furniture party for an after party at a wedding. It, it can be a lot of fun. So these are things that to, to consider, you know, if you've got the ability to do that, break it all up. Because I got to tell you, your aunts, uncles, and grandparents don't really care about the dancing. They may. They, I'm, I'm not saying they're not. And then there are definitely some that will uh, really, really enjoy it. But really having a, uh, a good, strong dance floor just tends to end up with the, the 20-somethings to the 40-somethings. And that's, that's who usually fills the floor at a wedding. And they'll tell you what they want to hear. So if there's anything you absolutely do not want to hear... Make sure your DJ knows what those songs are in advance. It is, it's a happy moment when I get to point to the paper and say, no, they said no YMCA, no organized dance, no cha-cha slide. No Macarena, no chicken dance. <laughs> Most popular ones we get. But uh, 
So um, do we want to wrap this up? I think we caught up on everything. Okay, so five or six hours. Give yourself a good hour uh, for the ceremony. Consider that reveal and enjoying yourself at the cocktail party. You've got a grand entrance into your first dance. Then maybe one or two speeches, a welcome, a blessing. You've got dinner for about 45 minutes, you know, roughly to an hour. Uh, some final speeches, words. Then you go into family dances, uh, the father, daughter, the mother, son, uh, and then uh, maybe garter bouquet and then cake money dance right next to each other. Don't, you know, make sure you get that money dance right there. Uh, anniversary dance, anything like that. And then uh, you open your dance floor. And uh, depending how many people you've got, if you're, if, uh, if you're really pushing, if you're pushing more than 150 people at your wedding, I think that's when a six hour wedding seems to make a bit more sense. Cause that gives people more time to get through that buffet, get served. Uh, if you've got less people, five hours are perfect. Five hours is great for, for, you know, 130 or less. But and that I, reveal is going to let you enjoy every penny that you've spent. Especially if you selected a lot of music you wanted for the cocktail hour. What a shame when a bride and groom don't get to hear the songs they picked. I've got so many brides that love Jack Van Johnson Morrison. or Van Morrison and they just wanted to, and, and the DJ plays them and they're not even around to hear them. And it's a shame. And it just, it's great because now you get to enjoy your wedding even more. It's your party. Be there. Pictures aren't fun. Models, models don't love their jobs. <laughs> no, but they love looking back at the pictures. I do mine. They do. That's it for this show. Uh, not sure what we're going to talk about the next show, but if you've got some ideas, you can email us directly at podcast at arrowheaddj.com. And until next time, have fun planning your wedding. Mm-hmm.